do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around the greatness of your word. I thank you that as I have decreased, the anointing of God has already entered this building to minister to every person under the sound of my voice. Father, I thank you that even the spirit of God that can be in every place at every time will minister even to those podcast listeners that listen on a regular basis. And I thank you that today's message will be not only life-changing, but Father, it will be generational changing. And we declare it to be that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow the word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. We've been discussing over the last few weeks how favor can flow in our lives by partnering with God. I want you to say this with me. Say favor, favor. will flow into my life as I partner with God. Now today we're going to complete our series with concluding with partnering with God for favor through the yielding of our prosperity. Through the yielding of our prosperity. Now, for those of you who are dedicated podcast listeners that are here today and then those who will be listening throughout the week, uh, just know that next Sunday we'll begin a new series entitled True Answers in Troubled Times. Through that series, I'm going to teach you how to stand and receive the manifestation of God's promises in your life regardless of what you're going through. I find that most believers faint during the times of adversity because their strength is small. Amen. And so today I've saved this particular lesson for last because I believe it is the most important one that I will teach in this particular series. And it's going to help every believer experience a financial blessing uh, that you live in your life. Now, uh, before I begin this series, I want to put just a, a prerequisite on the, on, the, on the message this morning. First of all, I'm teaching this because you need it and not because we need it. See, some, some pastors and churches, they teach things because they need it. Our church is in wonderful financial condition or we couldn't be building a $5 million project. Amen. Amen. So we're doing well. That's not even the issue here. But I needed to teach this and, and God showed me some things that I'm like, wow, this is going to bless every person regardless of how long you've been a believer. It's going to bless you this morning. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And the Spirit of God spoke to me something that I have never heard. It may have been said before, but I've never heard him say this to me that I'm going to say to you. And this is the first point that I want you to write down. And I'm going to say the point before I actually give or read the verse. So you're going to find Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 14. And here's the point that I want to write down. And that's this. The average Christian never wants to talk about money in church because they are committing financial infidelity. I'm going to say that again. The average Christian, say the average Christian. Now touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I ain't the average Christian. Now look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, are you sure about that? The average Christian never wants to talk about money in church because they are committing financial infidelity. Now when I 
when he said financial infidelity, I really wanted to look it up to see what it meant. So I went to the dictionary to find out what infidelity meant. And here's what it meant. It meant marital disloyalty. In today's language, that means cheating. It also means adultery. But here's the part that I thought was interesting that lined directly up with scripture. And it's this. It means unfaithfulness. So what he was saying is that the average Christian in today's world does not want to talk about money, especially in church, because they are committing financially or financial unfaithfulness. Now turn to Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to back up what I'm saying with God's word. Look in verse 14. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them whose goods. Now, now notice whose goods they were. Now look in verse 15. And to one of them, he what? Gave. Everybody circle the word gave. He gave how many talents? Five talents. Now to another, he gave how many? Two. And then to another, he gave how many? One. Why did he differentiate between the three? It says here, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway he went and took his journey. Verse 16. Then he that had received five talents went and traded with them the same and made them out how many talents? So in other words, he took the five that the Lord or his boss had given him. And then he went and took that five and made five with it. Look in the next verse. Verse 17. Then likewise, he that had received two, he also gained how many class? Two. Watch this now. Verse 18. But he that had received one, watch this, went and dug into the earth and hid, I want you to circle all three of these words, come on, read it with me, his, come on, say it again, his Lord's money. Whose money did he hide in the ground? The Lord's money. Now, let's see what happens when the Lord shows up. Let's see what happens. Verse 20. Uh, And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents saying, Lord, you have delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, what class? Well done. You have, you are good. And what kind of servant? Faithful servant. Now, remember now the word infidelity means unfaithfulness. So it's obvious that this person was not being charged with financial infidelity because he said thou good and faithful servant he says you've been faithful over what a few things i will make you ruler over what that right there shows you how to get financial uh uh, increase and what i call promotion in your life is being faithful with the few now i'm gonna break it down as i get through my lesson this morning because it's very good i will make you rule over many things enter into the joy of the lord notice that How much he gave back to his Lord is what created joy in his life. Did you see that? He says, enter into the joy of the Lord. Look in verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, you've delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, come on, read it with me. Well done, good and faithful servant. He says, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over what? Many things enter into the joy of the Lord. Do you notice that even though he did not bring the same amount of talents that the first person did, he he still got the same reward that the first person got. So let's see, some of us look at how much money we do or don't make when the bottom line is, it's based on percent. 
Look at the next one. This is the one I want to hammer this, this morning right here. Verse 24. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, watch this now. This is very important. I knew that you were what kind of man? A hard man. Now, that word new in the Bible, I love the Greek. See, the Greek, the Greek language is one of the most accurate uh, languages that can be known throughout the, the, the whole world. And that's why I'm glad the New Testament was written in Greek. Because, see, we can have one English word that means one thing. But the Greek word or English word for the Greek can be like five different English words. So this particular Greek word is the word genosko, and it really means to know by learning. So what he was saying is, Lord, I know by learning that you are a hard man. Then he says, reaping what you have not sown and gathering what you have not strawed. Watch what's written why. And I was afraid and went and hid whose talent? Write that down or circle it. Thy talent in the earth, there thou hast that is mine. Then verse 26, his Lord answered and said unto him, watch this now, thou wicked and what? Hmm. He says, you are wicked and slow for service. You knew. Now this word knew is a different uh, Greek word knew. This one means perception. He says, your perception of me is that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not strawed. See, it's your perception of what you think God wants to do regarding your finances that will help you yield to what God wants to do with them. Now, look at the last one. Watch what happens in verse 27. He said, you ought therefore to have taken my money to the exchangers and then at my coming, I should have received my own usury. Watch what happens. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to the one that had how many? Ten talents. Now, I want you to write this down. Most Christians think that good stewardship is the same as tithing, but they are wrong. Uh, okay, you say, well, why is it? Okay, you can tithe, but not be a giver. See, tithing is returning what belongs to God. If you notice, this man returned back to his Lord what the Lord gave him, but the Lord called him wicked. Now, why is that? Listen, now, this guy was wicked, but he wasn't a thief. Boy, y'all took slow on that, but let me say that again. The Lord called him wicked, but at least he wasn't a thief. He at least returned back to his Lord what belonged to him. And that's a problem with a lot of believers. Some of you all think tithing is something you gave to God when you really just returned back to him. Basically, you just showed yourself to not be a thief. Mm, 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 mm. It's quiet in here this morning, but that's okay. You're preaching good, Pastor Evan. Thank you. <laughs> I want you to look at verse 28, though. It says, take therefore the talent from him and give it to him that had, five, uh, that, that had ten talents. Watch this now. Notice that giving back what his Lord had given him was not good stewardship. I'm going to say that again because y'all, y'all, y'all are quiet. I know you're thinking this morning. That's good. Notice that when he gave back what his Lord had given him, that was not good stewardship because if it would would have been, he would have said, thou good and faithful servant. So if you are a tither this morning, that's wonderful. That just means you're not a thief and you're not under the curse. But unfortunately, if you don't give beyond the tithe, all you're doing is just not being a thief. 
But I'm going to show you it's not in tithing alone that brings the blessings of God. It's your stewardship of what you keep when what's left over. Now watch this. This guy only proved that he was not a thief, but he was a poor steward. Now, remember last week, and I want you to write this down. I said this. Favor is free, but stewardship is work. Now, go to Luke chapter 16. Go to Luke 16, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Now, this is one of those CDs that you need to play for every day for a week. And then once a week for a month. And then at least once a month for the rest of the year. Because if you can get this one under your belt... You will never, ever wonder how God can bless you. Now, look in Luke chapter 16. Are you there? Here's the point I want to make. You want to make, may want to write this down. Increase only came to the ones that were able to manage what they were given. Increase only came to the ones that was able to manage that which they were given. In other words, the one that had five talents, he went and got five more, brought them to his Lord. And watch this now. It was the increase that he brought that God said, you know what? I'm going to give you some more because you were able to manage it. Now, and who gave more back to their Lord than what they originally received from him? In other words, the increase came from two ways. It came from those who were able to manage what they were given and from those who gave back to more to the Lord than they were originally given from him. Now, in Luke chapter 16, are you there? Look at verse 10. It says, he that is faithful in that which is what? Where y'all are? Luke 16, 10? Are you there? He that is faithful in that which is what? Least is faithful in also which is what? Much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust. Huh? What he's saying is that if you think you're going to properly manage more money and you're not properly managing what you have, you are deceived. Now, this is why most believers do not get any more from God. And I'm not talking about from the works of your hand because you can work overtime and make some more money. But that's not the kind of money I'm talking about. I'm talking about where you manage well what he gives you. Watch this. With the mentality that, that Lord, I'm going to manage it well so you can give me some more so that I can give you back more than what you gave me. Amen. Now, watch this now. Here's what I want you to write down this take-home statement. Go to Luke chapter 12. Go to Luke 12. Go to Luke 12. We're in Luke. Go to Luke 12 now. And I want you to write down this take-home statement. This is a statement I want you to write down and remember. Rulership comes with good stewardship. Rulership comes with good stewardship. In Luke chapter, uh, chapter 12, look at verse 42. Watch this now. This is very good. And the Lord said unto him, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? Whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due, in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if, the, but if in his heart the servant says, my Lord delays his coming and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens and, and eat and drink and be drunk. Then listen, the scripture just says, basically, he's just going to be thrown into the, 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 the fire or whatever the case is as what he calls an unbeliever. But here's the part I wanted you to see. That rulership comes through good stewardship. Good stewardship justifies the expectation for more. You can justifiably in your mind expect God to give you more if you know that you have been a good steward over what he's already given you and what you've given back to him. 
Now, watch this, though. This is very good. This is very good. Uh, write down Psalm 35, 27. This is what it says. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which, ple- which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God has pleasure when you prosper. See, most people growing up think, oh, man, it's evil to prosper. You know, rich people are going to go to hell. How many believe that growing up? Come on, be honest with you. You know, because, you know, the Bible said, you know, Peter said, Lord, who can be saved? Because they had said, you know, uh, Jesus said it's going to be hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom. He didn't say it was impossible. He said it's just going to be hard. Why? He said, because those who trust in their riches. So we grew up and we took that. In fact, we took the scripture that says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. We believe that said, for the, the, you know, the love of money. Money is the root of all evil. It didn't say that. It says the love of it is what's evil. Why? Because when you love money, you cannot love God and money at the same time. The scriptures that we read last week says you cannot serve both God and money. Now, what's interesting about that verse, it could have said you cannot serve God and the devil. But it didn't say God and the devil. You know why? Because to a believer, the devil is defeated in God's mind. Now God wants to know, do you love him more than do you love what you got in your wallet? Oh, my God, I'm dropping a bomb on y'all this morning. But I'm going to show you something. Watch this. What are some signals of poor stewardship? Let me throw this at you. These are signals. Go to Matthew 25. Let's go back to Matthew 25. Go to Matthew 25. Let me show you this. Uh, this was a parable we started our whole series, I mean, this, this lesson out with. What are some signals of poor, poor stewardship? Look in verse 25 of chapter 25 when it says, uh, the steward says, And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, there thou hast that is thine. In other words, he says, you know what? I was afraid, so I just decided I'm just going to put what you gave me. I'm just going to put it in the ground, and then I'm going to give it back to you. But see, Jesus had a problem with that. So there are some signals of poor stewardship, and one of them is just being fearful of just obeying God with what he gave you. Do you know most people, and, I'll, and, I, and here's, a, here's a, a point I want you to write down. When we consistently think about what we need instead of who we need, that's a signal of poor uh, or fearful stewardship. When we consistently think about what we need instead of who we need. See, most of you all spend too much mental energy about what you need instead of who you need. You, knew, you need God. You say, well, Pastor, I need my lights on. He knows that too. But if you know you need him, then he can take care of your need. He says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his rights, all these things will be added. So... That's one signal of poor stewardship when we consistently think about what we need. Here's another one. Well, this is like a B under that one. So just put like if you're taking notes and that was like point one, then you put this one A. Here it is. Struggling too long has the potential to produce financial fear. Okay. Have you ever been in a situation, everything was good financially, and then all of a sudden something happened and it threw you into a financial tailspin and you t- stayed in that thing too long. If you stay in financial uh, 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 cycles, negative ones, too long, they will end up producing potential financial fear. Now, you say, well, Pastor, what, what, what do you mean by that? See, here's the problem I feel with most people. The most needed times that to renew a person, your mind is in the midst of difficulty. I'm going to say that again. The most needed time that you need to renew your mind is in the midst of difficulty. But see, most people, what they do during difficulty, 
First of all, you need to sow the word in it before difficulty. But then when difficulty comes, you need to sow more because the devil wants you to just keep a negative mentality while you're in what you're in because it keeps you longer in it than you should. And what happens is those negative circumstances begin to eat away at your confidence towards God. And it eats away at it to the point where you stay in it too long and now you start talking negative, you start believing negative, I ain't going to never find no job. Hello. Here's another signal of poor stewardship. When we use any excuse to not obey God's order for governing our finances. Amen. Here's another signal. When we are tithers but not givers. That's a signal of poor stewardship. Let me say why. Because again, like that steward, he returned what gave to all of them did. They returned it back. But the ones at the top, the five and the two talents, they returned it back with some more. But the last one just returned back what he got. That's just a tither to me. So you don't get beyond the, the, the blessing until you first learn proper stewardship. And I'm going to show you what that is in just a second. Watch this now. Here's another signal. When we have more expenses than we do income. Oh, man, I stepped in some poop right there, didn't I? Some of you all have more expenses than you do income. You cannot be a good steward that way. God cannot give. He wants to give us more. But if he gives us more, we're just going to keep increasing our expenses. And now poor stewardship kicks in. Watch this now. In other words, we are living above our means and not below our means. Go to Luke 15. We'll close with this one because y'all just too quiet in the whole uh, thing here. Uh, And I know y'all don't like talking about money. But see, I haven't talked about money in a long time. Not since we had our little giving day. This is it right here. Well, every now and then I got to give you a booster shot. You know, shots are good. You know, when you go back to school, how many kids got shots before they went back to school? Let me see your hand. I mean, Landon, he ain't even in school. They gave him like three shots. Okay. Well, look at Luke, Luke 15, look at verse 11. Luke 15, 11. Watch this. I want you to write this down. The prodigal son's poor management is what created his personal crisis and financial ruin. Now, we look at the prodigal son from a spiritual perspective. You know, he left home and the father was there waiting for him and he went into sin. And then he, you know, the father was saying, hey, come back home. And that's wonderful. But really, there's another perspective on the prodigal son. And here it is. It's this, that the prodigal son's poor management of his finances is what created his personal crisis. And some of us have created our own personal financial crisis. It is not God's Fault, but let me say this to you. If you do what the prodigal son did, God will come back and fix that mess. That was a good place for a hand clap. Let's do that right there. I mean, how many have been in a mess and you wanted God to fix it? Amen. And so I'm going to show you what the, what the prodigal son did. Look in Luke chapter 15. Look at verse 11. Luke 15, 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. We know it was a parable. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Watch this now. And he, the father, divided unto them his living. So he not only gave the young son his money, but he also gave the older son his money. Because it says he divided unto them. And then not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together. He took his journey into a far country. And he did what class? Circle that word. He wasted his substance with riotous living. He just bought everything he could see. He spent more than what he had. 
Well, let's see what happens. Because when you spend more than what you have, it comes back and starts catching up with you. It's called Rob Peter to pay Paul. Some of y'all thought that was in the Bible, didn't you? Thou shalt not rob Peter to pay Paul. That is not a verse. I just want you to know that. Look at verse 14. And when he has spent how much, class? He spent all. There arose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in what? Want. And when he went and joined himself as a citizen of that country, he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And when he was fain and had filled his belly with the husk of the swine, he did eat and no man gave to him. And when he came to himself, that's the first thing you got to do. When you're in a bad financial situation, you're in a bad financial tailspin, and when you haven't been stewarding your money right, you got to first come to yourself. And you got to say, wait a minute, I know better than this. This is not what God's word is teaching me. I got to, come on, how many times you got to talk to yourself? Come on, you talk to everything else. You talk to your car, that car, that raggedy car. I can't wait till I get rid of that car. That's why that car breaking down on you because you're talking about it. Cars have feelings. I mean, if Jesus said speak to the mountain, then you can speak to your car. But see, you saying what you don't want your car to do. And that's what your car is actually doing. You don't want it to break down, but you're telling it to break down. So that's what, I mean, listen, we had a car named Betsy back in the years, back years ago. We had a car named, you know, because see, when you have a hoop, you got to name them. Come on now. I'm the only one that had a hoop to before. Come on now. How many had a hoop to before? Okay. A hoop is just a raggedy car. That's what it is. Raggedy car. And we had a hoop there. It used to be my Uncle Jesse's car. My Uncle Jesse was one of those chain smokers. I mean, as soon as he put one out, he started up another one. And there were cigarette holes all in the seat. So we covered it up with some of that imitation fur. Y'all know that sheepskin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't sheepskin. That was fake skin. Fake sheepskin. We covered it up with that. And we try to take care of Betsy. And you know, after Betsy, you're going to hold up on us. And every now and then, Betsy still had her own mind on. When you didn't want Betsy to break down, Betsy did it anyway. I'm like, Betsy, Betsy. We on Highway 635. Betsy just decided, hey, I got to stop. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. Betsy, you got gas. You got all out of anointed you with 12 quarts. What's the problem? I'm tired. It's hot. This is Texas. You take a break. I need one too. So you had to name your hoop. Well, in this case, this guy took everything that he had and he spent it. And he got to the place where he says he returned. He, he, got to, he, he just remembered. Wait a minute. He returned to his own mind. Because, see, sometimes you can get out of yourself. And he came to himself and then he said, that's number two. You got to come to yourself and say, you know what? I'm not governing my money like God wants me to. Then you got to start saying, well, Lord, I think that I'm going to be a faithful, faithful steward over your money. Then number three, he says, he came and said, how many higher servants does my father have and have bread enough to spare and not perish with hunger? He says, I will go and arise and go to my father. That's called repentance. He turned and see, here's the thing. You cannot be restored until you repent. Now, repent don't just mean to return because you can return and not repent. In other words, he returned back to his dad's home, but he could have he still kept the attitude that he left with. Okay. Okay. So watch this now. 
He returned and he said, you know what, how many of my father's higher servants they have? And then he says, I'm a, I'm a rose. And then he came to his father and when he saw him a great way off, he saw him and he had compassion. The dad did and fell and kissed him. And then the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against thee. That's repentance, confession. And then in thy sight, and I am not even worthy to be called thy son. But then the father said to his servants, bring the best of the robe and put it on him. See, notice restoration came after he repented, after he returned, and he decided, I'm going to do it the way my father wants me to do it. And I don't care what kind of mess you are financially right now, if you will make a decision today and from this point on to say, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. Let me show you some things that you can do. That will help you get in, in position to be a good steward. Number one, don't be a thief. You say, what do you think? God wants 10% of your money and some offering. Never come to God without an offering. Because if you do, all you showed that week is that, God, I'm not a thief. Number two, become a giver and not just a tither. I just said that. Become a giver and not just a tither. Number three, keep your mind renewed with fresh promises of prosperity. And that's why, listen, it doesn't matter how good I'm living. I still keep the word and uh, the promises of God fresh in my heart. Number four, establish a budget and work to stay within your means. Establish a budget and then you work to stay in your means. Now watch this now. Here's number five, which is very important. Be frugal with your budget, but be generous in your giving to God. I'm very frugal. I'm frugal with the church money. I'm frugal with my money. Listen, I will. I, I don't have a problem with we writing big checks to the church, but I have a problem when we just wasting grocery money. Ask my wife. She'd be like, "Wow, you just you know what's happening? We need." I say, "I know we do." I say, "But look, what you know? Uh, uh, we one time we cleaned out all of our. Uh, you know, we have a pantry. How many got a pantry? And so you know, we got a big pantry. And my wife, she store food like we just go like there's a, a Hurricane Katrina is coming one day." But see, part of that is because when she was growing up, they didn't have a lot. So she decided, I'm just going to stock it up now. Plus, we have a lot of people coming over, so we always help people. But so here's the deal. Uh, looking at that pantry, one day, someone just went in and all the expiration dates on stuff and just threw everything away. Well, we had to buy everything new again. Well, everything, you know, salt don't expire. I don't care what the date says. <laughs> it, it don't expire. I don't care what the date on the bread says. If it ain't molded, I'm going to eat it. Come on now, am I by myself? You got to be frugal with your budget, but you got to be generous with God. Here's the next one. Always obey the spirit of God when he prompts you to give sacrificially. And then here's the last one. Always be in financial agreement with your spouse. Your money, his money, it's y'all's money. And that's where the problem comes in. God cannot bless some couples in this room right now the way he wants to because it's your money and it's his money. He got his bills, you got your bills, and what you, you tithing and he ain't. Well, some, I mean, both of y'all going to church. I mean, somebody got, it, listen, I, this is the way I look at it. I want God's blessing, I'm going to do it God's way. Here's what I promise you, and I'm closing right here. I promise you that if you will obey God in what I'm teaching you today, you will see overflow in your life. Listen, I expect God to bless me. As long as I'm doing what he wants me to do. Does that mean tough times won't come? No, but if I have properly been a good steward, tough times won't bother me. Because I did like Joseph and I stored up something just in case. Times are hard. 
I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What is God saying to me in this message? What is he saying to me? You may be a long time tither.